I, I think what I'm just trying to say is, is when we just sincerely and humbly and honestly and straightforwardly get down to the brass tacks and we begin to pray for each other and we begin to do the things that the Bible says we should do, um, we're going to be blessed. I have received so many emails this week whenever I, I sent out a little update on the result of what happened Friday night when we began to give to people the way the Bible said give and to relieve needs the way the Bible said relieve needs. You would not believe the emails that I have got back in my email box from people who have just rejoiced. And I'm not talking about people in our I'm not talking about people in our fellowship. I'm talking about people who are not in our fellowship. Because see we got a list of about three hundred and fifty people that get our email reports every time we send one out. And people have just rejoiced over it. People, people have said that it's good to see the church is doing what the church is supposed to do, finally. You know? And so I, I guess what I'm trying to say is we need to remember tonight the fundamentals of what the church is and where her faith stands. We need to remember that it's not, all, it's not smoke and mirrors. And we need to remember that we don't have a God in heaven who is unconcerned with us. And we need to remember that it is true what the word says, that if we just simply call on his name, he'll come and he'll answer us. We need to remember that if we ask, seek, and knock, doors will be open to us. We simply need to remember that the effectual perfect prayer of a righteous man or a righteous woman avails much. We need to, we need to, um, we need to just simply start believing again. And can I be real honest with you? I think a lot of us, me included, had got to the place where I didn't believe much anymore. That's right. I mean, it just, you know, when everything in your life is just going sideways and downhill and down the drains and up and over the ridges and just washing down the river and you don't see any improvement, you don't see any hope, and you, you don't see anything happening, um, you know, it's hard to really believe. And so I think a lot of us had got to the place where it was just hard to believe anymore. But the Lord, has, the Lord has demonstrated his goodness and his mercy, his kindness and his compassion and his overwhelming love for us in so many different ways. So many different people in the church has been touched in the last two weeks. And testimonies have gone out to workplaces and schools and shopping centers and neighborhoods and telephone conversations and emails. So many people have been given a testimony and they have been revived in their spirit. Y'all, it is a good thing. And I am just so excited about that. And so tonight as we come, um, I want us to remember to pray for each other again. And, um, and we'll do that. But I, I was talking about remembering, and, and I, I got an email in from a friend of mine, I think it was yesterday. And he was talking about, he, he began his email by talking about things that um, the word tells us that you know we were to lay aside and things that we were to put off and things that we were to forget. But he ran across this scripture in uh, 1 Thessalonians 1, and I'm going to start reading at verse 3, okay? Or verse 2, it kinda, I'm going to give you the full sentence effect of, of, um, of, of what I saw here. He said, we give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. Let's get back a little bit more. Remembering without ceasing... Your work of faith, your labor of love, and your patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of our God and Father, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. 
For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believed. Talking about remembering, Paul said whenever he went to the Lord and he prayed, he remembered their what? He remembered their work of faith, their labor of love, and their patience of hope. So when Paul went to pray, he remembered the people in Thessalonica. He remembered the Messianic community. He was not just getting down on his knees and begging for things that he thought he needed or things that would make his life easier, more cushy, or more comfortable. He was not praying for things that would increase him, but rather when he got down on his knees, he remembered the people in Thessalonica who had faith and they had labored and they were in probably, to be real honest with you, probably in desperate situations because it says that when they received the word, they received it in affliction. Now, I've said this before, and you've heard it said many, many, many times before, that you take somebody who doesn't have need of a whole lot, who, who take someone who is, who is well, who does not have sicknesses, who has plenty of money, who has a big home and a nice car and has no bills and has uh, health insurance and retirement benefits. And you take somebody sort of like that, and not in every case, but in a lot of cases, a person who has no need of God will not respond to the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as quick as somebody who has a need. Now, I don't want to make an overstatement, and I'm not saying that to belittle people who have means, and certainly not anybody who will be watching this. I'm not doing it to belittle, but what I'm saying is there just seems to me, as I have traveled the world and as I've preached and as I've talked to people, it seems that people who are in great measures of affliction, it just seems that they are more ready to grab hold to the gospel of Jesus and the promise that you find in the Word they're more ready for that than somebody who, who, who may not have a great need and who may not be in affliction. But when Paul prayed, he remembered these people. Now, what we're beginning to see here, and I'm not saying we haven't been praying for each other, but we're, we're, we're beginning to see a dynamic now where when we begin to pray for each other, we remember each other, and the love of Jesus begins to flow into our prayer life and begins to throw it flow into our minds and in our hearts and through our spirits, we're beginning to see that, that heaven is being touched. And it's not that God has not loved us and not answered our prayers before. That's simply not it. But what I'm saying is it just seems that we're at a point where God is responding to us when we remember each other in our prayers. I think that's a cool thing. I think it's a cool thing when we can come and be transparent with each other and say, um, you know, my business is failing, and I need you to pray for me. I think we reached a good place where we can say, um, you know, my health is, is getting away, and I need help. I think we're at a good place where we could say, you know, I'm doing the best I can, but, but I, have, uh, I have 
I cannot pay my bills and, you know, and, and this is the situation. And we have a response from people who want to meet needs. I, I think we're at a good, healthy place when that happens. And I believe God's going to honor the response. And it's not that we've got our whole act totally and completely together. It's a simple fact that God's been teaching us some stuff for a long, long time. And we're beginning to see some things a little clearer than we've seen in a long, long time. And I don't know how you are, but I need God more right now, this minute, than I needed him last year, than I needed him the year before that, 10 years ago. I need him more right now in my life than I have ever needed him before. And I need people who will pray for me and who will love me and who will contact me and who will take interest in my life and say, can I pray for you? What kind of need do you have? I'm needing that more and more and more every day that I live because it just seems like the enemy's attack and his encroachment on my life and on your life is, is getting more intense. Now, that may just be me, okay? It may just be me, but I don't think it is. And when we, can, when we come together with a common goal and a common thrust and a common direction of, of just loving each other like Jesus loved us and doing what the Bible says do, when we come together in that environment, there is, there is a response from glory itself. And I think it's a good thing. But see, he, there, there's some good things that come out of remembering people and remembering things. Okay? Now, there are other things the Word says remember, and I'm just going to kind of go through these. There's a list of ten. Okay? And you don't have to write them down. You can if you want to, but I'm going to do this real quick. And I can't get my stand right. Okay, here we go. I go from Matthew to wherever. There's 10 things I got listed that we're supposed to remember. We're to remember, like I said, each other in prayers. But there are 10 more things. Number one, remember the miracles. Okay, remember the miracles. Matthew 16, 9. Do you not yet understand, neither remember the five loaves and the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up? This is Jesus asking his disciples when their faith fell, and when they forgot about the great demonstration of the power of God when Jesus fed the multitude, he turns around and looks at them and said, have you forgot so soon the miracles? You know, one of our chief problems as people is we simply forget God's activity in our life and his action upon our life. We forget the miraculous, wonderful, supernatural power and encounters that we have had with him in our lives. We so soon forget that when we come out of it, when we clear it, and we find ourselves in another difficulty. We just we forget about the supernatural activity of God. We need to always remember the miracles. And we need, to have a, we need to have a log, if you would, of the times God has moved in the lives of us personally or our family or someone around us. And we need to have those little benchmarks, those high water marks saying, I remember this when, when, when things go wrong and when faith falters and and when unbelief begins to creep in, we need to say, I remember when he did this. I remember, God, when you did so and so. And you can do it again. So we need to remember the miracles. Number two, <laughs> we need to remember the judgments. Jesus was talking to his disciples in the Gospels and in um, I think it was um, Luke 17, 32. He said, remember, just three words, remember Lot's wife 
You know, God told Lot and his family to, to leave the plain of Sodom and Gomorrah and not look back. Well, his wife just had to look back and she was turned into a pillar of salt. Well, that was God's judgment on her life for disobedience and for sin. Now, we need to remember that God is a God of justness and righteousness and holiness. And when, when we willfully disobey, we need to remember the judgments in our life. I don't know about you, but I can remember the times I've been taken to the woodshed. And I can honestly say that there's not been one time I've ever went there that was undeserved. Now, if you've been to the woodshed with the Lord, you know what I'm talking about. Thank God it doesn't last forever, and thank God it's not more than you can bear. And thank God it's always less than what we deserve. But we need to remember the judgments of the Lord and remember that he does have a standard. Okay? We need to remember that thing. Number three, third thing. We need to remember the word. Jesus said, remember the word that I said unto you. We need to remember the written word. We need to remember the spoken word. And it's not just about memorizing scripture. It's about soaking in the word of the Lord as it's applied by and revealed to by the Holy Spirit in your life so that when you're in a situation where either you are witnessing to somebody and trying to encourage them or where you're by yourself and you need to be reminded about the promises of the Lord in your life that you can allow through your spirit just to call up or to remember Scripture. How many times, listen... How many times during the run of your week do you come upon a situation where right out of the blue, right out of nowhere, either in your thought processes or in your conversation with somebody else or through reading something or just going about your daily affairs, how many times during the run of a week does all of a sudden Scripture come up? And you find yourself saying, well, the Word says this. And the Word says that. See, it's not about memorizing the Word, but it is allowing as you study the Word, as you read the Word, as you pray the word, as you apply the word in your life, it's, it's allowing the word of God place to lodge. And you don't even have to do it intentionally. I got mine through osmosis. Through that little country Baptist church back in the woods on, the Cedar, on Cedar Creek. My first venture to church was when I was seven days old. And I tell you, up until we moved our church to, instead of Sunday to Friday night, there was you could just about count the Sundays I missed on these two hands. I have heard so many sermons. I can remember very few of them. I remember the singing probably more than I do the sermons. But I did get some of the sermons too. I went to Sunday school and youth fellowship. Youth fellowship I didn't like because it cut into my Sunday afternoon time. But when I went to Sunday school, when I went to church, when I went to youth fellowship, when I went back to church on Sunday night, when I went to midweek, when I went to revivals, not only at our church but at other churches, and when I went to associational meetings, and when I went to denominational functions, and when I did all this stuff, after a while, the word just kind of, through osmosis if nothing else, gets into you. And the word says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. I firmly believe, if I believe anything, that when I draw my last breath, 
I will still have the word lodged in my heart and my spirit. And that's a good thing. I got it through osmosis. And they taught me how to read the Bible and how to, how to, how to find out what was in there, whether I liked it or not. I was taught how to do that. I was taught how to say the books of the Bible. Now, I couldn't understand the value of that until I finally got a Bible given to me one time that didn't have tabs in it. And that helped me find the books of the Bible. Everybody except Obadiah and Zephaniah and, uh, you know, those, those, those Hosea, you know, Hosea and Micah. My goodness, have you ever tried to find Micah? It's hard. But I got the word through osmosis, and a lot of y'all got it that way too. And it's good for you. So we need to remember the word so that in occasions where we need it. And you don't have to quote it. That, that's not the point. You know, I got so sick whenever I was being brought up that I had, to, I had to quote the thing, book, chapter, and verse, just exactly like it was until one day I read the New Testament and I found out Jesus didn't even quote it like it was in the Old Testament. He he vocalized the sentiment of the Torah to the people who needed it and he expressed it in a way they could understand. But even Jesus didn't quote it verbatim right. Check it out sometimes. And you folks who may be watching this program, if you're, if you're religious, that's the way you've been taught, book, chapter, verse, quote it right, don't leave out a word or you know, God will hit you with a big stick. Uh, check out what Jesus said sometimes. But we need to remember the word so in a season where we need it, it'll just kind of flow out. Just not word per word, but the, but the spirit of it. Okay? The spirit of it. Okay, next. Next thing. Remember the miracles. Remember the judgments. Remember the word. Number four, remember the warnings. Act 20, 31. Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone day and night with tears. You know, and that's the way God warns us through the scripture or he warns us through sermons. He warns us through uh, fellowship with the Holy Spirit. He warns us about things to keep us out of trouble. You better not do that. <laughs> better not go there. Better not say that. It's not the way you're supposed to do things. You know, the Holy Spirit can be a real nuisance sometimes, can it? Can't he? Not it, can't he? Can't get away from him either. Ain't that a good thing that you can't get away from him? That he'd just bother you and pester you and hound you and talk to you and, and go with you into your sleep and sometimes at night won't even let you sleep. It's a good thing to be pestered by the Holy Spirit. So remember the warnings. Okay. Fifth thing, remember to give. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Because you see, giving is a measurement of your love. And it would be a shame to say, if we were to correlate that specifically and only toward money or tithes and offerings, that would be a shame and disgrace. I am to give monetarily as the Lord leads me. But you know what? I've come into seasons where I don't have anything to give. And you know what? The Lord hadn't, he hadn't equipped me for that because it's not my fault. 
But you know what I am obligated to do? I'm obligated to give myself to you every day. I'm obligated to give my heart. I'm obligated to give my time. I'm obligated to give my love. I'm obligated to give my advice and my counsel. I'm obligated to give you whatever it is that you stand in need of. If you need a, a shoulder to cry on, if you need an ear to bend, if you need a helping hand, if I have something that you need, I am obligated by the Lord to share that with you because He has withheld nothing from me. I tell the story about the taters over in Ukraine. You know, Monica's heard this thing for years and years and years. But the thing about the Ukraine is, is when people bring taters to church, this is their philosophy. If I have taters, then you have taters. If I don't have any, but you have taters, then I've got taters. And y'all, that's, that's a philosophy they live with over there. Same way with cabbage. Same way with sugar beets. Same way with onions. Same way with sausages. Same way with bread. Those people would come to church toting taters and bread and cabbages and all kinds of stuff. Some stuff, I won't even mention what it is. <laughs> but they bring it and they pile it up and then they distribute it out. And they're happy to do it. Some of them may not have but just two or three taters. One of the saddest sights in my life I've ever seen was the last time I was in Ukraine flying out. Um, it was about the middle of November. It was bitterly cold. A snowstorm had started the day before. It was a day not quite this warm, but almost this warm. We went to bed, and it was just we had it was just it was just very hot in the middle of November, which for Ukraine is unusual. Took a picture out the window of this the bare ground and cars in the street. Well, got up the next morning, and I looked out the window, and my heart fell to my heels because it was this deep in snow. Everything was covered, coming down thicker than who'd have thought. And I got to thinking, I said, oh my, we've got a flight at 1.30. And I'm ready to go to the airport now. Because I know how nasty it can get when it gets nasty. And so they come and picked us up in a, in a big charter bus. And we started going up and down those hills in Kiev. And the old bus, it was pretty good going down the hill, but when it started going up a hill, it would... The tires would start spinning in that snow, and we just would make it to the top of the hill, and it would go back down the other side. And I'm telling you, it's the truth. It was like 10 miles this way. But the saddest thing I've ever seen, as we were driving along that road that day, there were old women standing over ankle deep in the snow by the road with a little plastic pail with a cloth over it with a plate on top of that, and it would have three or four potatoes an onion, it'd have a cabbage, it'd have, it'd have two sugar beets. They were trying to sell that to get money to pay for whatever it is they needed to pay for. Okay? But it was the heart of the people. Now, by the way, too, um, we went to the airport. It was getting worse and worse and worse. And at 1.30, when our plane took off, it was the last plane in or out for almost three weeks. 
I was, oh, I was saying, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. I was wanting to just, I was, I was wanting to kiss and hug people. It was just the most glorious day of my life because we got off the ground. You couldn't see, you, you couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't see the runway. I'm telling you, and it was, it was just, it was an act of pure faith to be able to sit in that plane and see that guy turn that plane and head in a direction, and there was no markers, there was no lights, there was no nothing. It was just a blanket of snow for as far as you could see, and you didn't really know if he knew where he was going or not. Because they didn't have snow plows to get the, get the snow off the runway. But see, I'm chasing a rabbit now, but <laughs> need to remember to give. Number six, remember where you came from. Therefore, remember Ephesians 2.11. That you once Gentiles in the flesh and at one time you were without Christ. Remember the next time you see a sinner, a rank, rotten, everyday, mully grub, dirty, bad to the bone, sinner. Before you pass judgment on them, remember what, remember what you were. Or think about who you'd be without Jesus. Don't forget that we were all once the devil's children, according to Jesus. need to remember that. Number seven, remember the believers. First Thessalonians 1, 3, remember without ceasing your work of faith. I didn't talk about it. Number eight, remember the faith of the leadership. Hebrews 13, 7, remember them which have the rule over you who have spoken unto you the word of God whose faith follow. I want you to remember me and I want you to pray for me. I want you to help me. I want you to be my friend. <laughs> I want you to encourage my faith. And when you see my faith falter, I want you to come straight to me. Because I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm not one of these pedestal preachers. I'm just like you are. And I need help. As a matter of fact, I probably need more help than most of you. But remember me and remember the leadership. It's not that we're better than you are, and I hope you've learned that by now in this house. It's not that. But remember me and remember us. And remember the other Christian leaders. You know, there's sometimes you need to pray a prayer for, for other Christian leaders who are going through trials in our community, who are going through hard times, going through devastating things. There's times when you need to remember uh, Christian leadership um, and apostolic works or prophetic works in the earth when they're going through hard and tough things too. You just need to remember the people that God's put out there in various places in our community and in our nation and in the world that God is called to do particular things that only those people can do. And if they don't do it, it won't get done. You need to remember those people because there are people out there. You know, there are people all over this earth doing things right now that is of monumental importance, life and death situations in the kingdom of God. Martyrdom awaits, just a breath away from martyrdom, and they still serve the Lord Jesus Christ. So remember those people. Don't forget them. Number nine, remember your first love. This is Revelations 2, 4, and 5. Nevertheless, I have this against you that you left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Remember Jesus. Remember your first love. Never, ever, ever go beyond that. Then number 10, remember what you've been given. Revelation 3, 3 says, Therefore, 
what you have received and heard, hold fast. In other words, just remember what he's done for you. Hold on to it and don't forget it. Regardless of the hell or the high water that comes, regardless of the calamity at hand, regardless of anything, hold on to it. Remember it. Hold on to the things you've believed and heard. Because you know what? The enemy is at every corner. He's at every place. He's at every step. He's at every thought and every breath trying to disengage you from what you have believed and what you've heard. One of the things Dave told me, and this is not a secret, one of the things he told me this past week was, uh, you know, the enemy was just playing on his mind and telling him just how how far down he went and he didn't have any he didn't have any of this, he didn't have any of that, and how he was without resources and how he was having to live off the goodness and kindness of others. And it, it worked play, the enemy was playing a head game with him, and he plays head games with you. And you need to remember that um, listen, when he starts to play a head game with you, he that, that's kind of his that's kind of his last-ditch effort to cause you to stumble, to fall, to cause you to be tempted to do something you shouldn't, to cause you to give up and quit. Because, listen, I'm telling you, when he starts playing the head games, you are just on the brink of receiving something from the Lord. You're just on the brink of being delivered. You're just on the brink of receiving something glorious. He knows that. And for every single one of you who have had that experience and who maybe are experiencing it now, just remember, don't let him play a head game with you. And take heart that the receipt of whatever it is that God wants to give you is right around the corner. Because the enemy's he's getting down to his last straw. That's what I'm finding to be true. Now, the other, on the other hand is this. You may think, well, you know, I have been um, striving at this thing. I've had this situation, this circumstance for so long. It's drawing on and on and on. It seems like an eternity. When's it going to end? I don't know. I can't tell you when mine's going to end, much less when yours is going to end. But I'll tell you this. It's got an end to it. And one thing is true. I've never seen the Lord's seed forsaken or them begging bread. God's got this wonderful, wonderful way of delivering to us what we need for the moment and then beyond that moment, what we need for the next. And sometimes it's a matter of simply going through those moments. But He's got something for us beyond that that he's kept hidden from the foundation of the world. It's like a big surprise. And I'm not making light of your situation regardless of how bad it is, and I'm not making light of mine, but I'm telling you, I've got to believe that way. I have got to. I have, I have there's nowhere in my faith that I can believe otherwise than that, because if I did... That would mean the whole book is a liar. There is a day coming 
where God's going to remember me. There is a day coming when he's going to remember you. Now, we have a hard time remembering all this stuff I mentioned to you, okay? But there's coming a day when, when God's going to remember us. How many times in the Word does, does it say that God remembered her? I remember in the Old Testament, who was it? It wasn't Sarah. I think it was maybe Rebecca. Was it Rebecca or was it Elizabeth? Where God said, it was Hannah, wasn't it? Where it said that God remembered her. Through all of the travail and through all of the agony and through all of the burden of life, the one thing that she desired was a son. And one day the word said, but God remembered Hannah. Wow. I just want to leave you with this encouragement. That one day God's going to remember you. I hope that it's tomorrow. I hope that God, as the sun comes up tomorrow, I hope that he remembers you in an extraordinarily, fascinatingly, wonderful, extravagant way to meet every single need that you have, whether it's financial, whether it's physical, whether it's emotional, whether it's spiritual, whatever it is. I hope that when the sun comes up tomorrow, that you receive that, and when the sun goes down tomorrow, and I want to bless you with that, that, that you, would, you would be so far distanced from your situation, your circumstance, it would be like it was 100 years ago. I want to see your life changed and affected so quickly that way. That's what I want for you. And that's what I want for me. And as I go to bed tonight, I've got to believe that. I've got to go to bed with the conscious awareness that tomorrow's the day. Tomorrow's the day. When I get up tomorrow, I've got to believe that today's the day. That God's going to remember me and he's going to deliver in my affliction the joy of the gospel. Because that's what Paul was looking at. And that's what he was talking about. See, I don't have anything else to hang on to. All my stuff, all my lifeline. I'm just going to say everything I got has been cast out. My, I, I sometimes feel like I'm in a little dinghy with no oars and no, no safety vests and no life rings. I don't have any. And y'all are the same way. Y'all don't have anything either. You know? But you know what? If, you, if, if you're in that dinghy and you have no oar and you have, have no sail and you have no life preserver and you have nothing like that, just you and your little dinghy, you know what will move that dinghy? It's the current that moves beneath that ship. How many stories have you heard about someone off the coast, off the Atlantic coast, uh, being in a boat and they take off, say, from Cape Hatteras, and they kind of drop off the radar and they disappear, and the next thing you know, they're they're somewhere down there around St. Thomas or Key West. How'd they get down there? The Gulf Stream runs out there. And the little boat got in the Gulf Stream, it just swept them right down there. You know what? It's the current that moves underneath our boat that we can't see, that will do more than we could possibly ever do above water. 
And I just want you, I just, I, my prayer for you is that tomorrow God remembers you. That's what my prayer for you is. And I want to encourage you just to, to hang on and to hang in there. And it's, it's nothing but the blood of Jesus that will cause you to be victorious. And just because you can't feel it on you does not mean it's not there and it's not working because he has not lost his power that's, that's contained in the blood. Not only does it have power to heal and, and save, but power to forgive and beyond that power to deliver you from every single foe that you have. The blood's on you. So now, we come to the place where it is a little bit before 8. Now, I want us to act on this, okay? I want us to act on this. If you have a particular need in your life, I want you to vocalize it if you're at liberty to, and I want us to pray for it specifically, and I want us to remember it when we leave this place, okay? Um. I'll, you know, you know, I just, you know, our business. We need help. And by the way, let me say this about the business, okay? Businesses, there are five of them. You know, when things started getting, are we on the air? We are. Let's get off the air a minute. Thank y'all. Love y'all. Come back to see us, okay? 